Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, Major Junior. Hey, Connor McDavid of the Erie Otters. Matt Barzell of Seattle Thunderbirds. I'm Jonathan Yerudo from the St. John's Sea Dogs. I'm Braden Holpe for the Saskatoon Blades. The Gabriel Landeskog. I'm playing for the Kitchen Rangers. Hi, this is Sean Couturier from the Drummondville Voltager. Carter Hart of the Everett Silvertips. This is Taylor Hall of the Windsor Spitfire. Nathan McKinnon from the Halifax Moosehead. NCAA. Hey, it's Jack Eichel. I play at Boston University. It's Alex Turcott. Hey, it's Kale McCarve. Hey, this is Jack Drury. Hey, it's Kyle Connor. Hi, this is Ian Mitchell of the Denver University Pioneers. It's Morgan Barron from Cornell University. Quinn Hughes from the University of Michigan. Hello, this is uh, Jerry York, the coach at Boston College. The World Juniors. My name is Andres Fischko from uh, Team Russia. Hey, it's Joel Farabee from Team USA. It's Norris Sider from Germany. I'm Philip Roberg of the Team Sweden. It's Elliot Hall Lennon. Hey, it's Nikola Ehlers. It's Matt Sogard. Hi, it's Timo Meyer. Hi, this is Jordan Edwards of Team Canada. The NHL Draft. This is Alexis Lafreniere of the Rimouski Oceanic. Hi, Scott and Bicep from the Sudbury Wolves. Connor Zeri from the Camelot Blazers. I'm Alexander Holtz. I'm Lucas Freeman. Cole Perfetti of the Saginaw Spirit. Dylan Holler from the Wisconsin Badgers. Hey, it's Jake Sampson. I play for Team USA. Brayden Schneider, Caden Dooley. Here's Marco Rossi. I'm from the other sounds. And more. Excellent! This is the Pipeline Show. Welcome to the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. It is a, a very special episode. Of course, it is that time of year. It is the 2021 Frozen Four Coaches Show, and uh, I am excited about this one this year. All four coaches are well-spoken and have uh, great stories. Uh, you're going to hear all of those stories. As last week, the NCAA had a coaches conference call, and that's where the audio is coming from this year. In a normal year, I would have those coaches on the program and uh, do 12, 14, 15-minute one-on-one interviews. Uh, This year with the COVID situation, I knew that wasn't going to be possible. So I uh, put in a call to the NCAA, and they were gracious enough to uh, share the conference call audio uh, with me, which I appreciate. So all four coaches you're going to hear from today, and I do have a special guest at the end as well to really break things down and and set the stage for us. Uh, So I'll tell you who that is in a moment. Pipeline Show is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It is the best beef jerky, not just in Alberta. I know that's what their slogan is, but it's the best beef jerky known to mankind. It is fantastic. It's so fresh and delicious. I have uh, probably another pound left in my fridge right now. Even just saying that, it's making my uh, it's making my mouth water a little bit. Two locations, Leduc, Alberta and Spruce Grove, Alberta. But if you're not in around the local area, you can still get it. You're gonna, you can't go get it at your local convenience store, though, because that stuff's not fresh. you got to contact either location of Wilhock Beef Jerky, and uh, they will ship it to you if you are in Western Canada. And it's not like you got to buy 50 pounds. Don't worry about that. But if you haven't tried it yet, it is uh, well worth your time. A couple of weeks ago, I stopped in at the Leduc location uh, to uh, have a chat with uh, Trent. And uh, while I was there, it was just a steady flow of traffic, of people coming into the location. And uh, everybody's just buying pounds of beef jerky. One pound, two pounds, three pounds. Doesn't matter. It was just a steady stream of people. I was like, oh, this is definitely not a uh, a secret anymore. And that's great because it is a fantastic. It's a lengthy show today. So I, normally I would do a bunch of news and notes, but I, I want to get right to it and get this episode out. It's probably a day later than I wanted to. I was hoping to get it out. On Tuesday, but as I'm speaking with you right now, it's Wednesday evening, uh, so it'll be coming out right away. But 
uh, all my guests that you're going to hear from today, although they were part of a conference call last week, and my final guest, everybody joins me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline, uh, the tap room in Red Deer, uh, where you can stop by, and uh, they have lots of merchandise. They have special beers on tap that you can only get at the tap room. But if you're in Alberta and you're between Calgary and St. Albert, including Edmonton, Sherwood Park, Red Deer, Leduc, Airdrie, Lacombe, Pinocchio, all of those stops along the way on Highway 2, Sylvan Lake included in that mix, uh, you can get free home delivery as long as you're using promo code PIPELINE when you go to troubledmonk.com shop, enter promo code PIPELINE, and uh, that delivery will be absolutely on the house. And you know what would be great right now is a little Wilhock beef jerky and maybe some daycation or or a Rebel's Red from Troubled Monk. Hmm, that sounds like a perfect fit right there. All right, the guests you're going to hear from today, of course, the four coaches. We'll start with Brett Larson from St. Cloud State. We'll go to Mike Hastings from Minnesota State as those two teams will face off on uh, the early game on Thursday. Then you'll hear from uh, Greg Carville and Scott Sandlin, the head coaches Massachusetts and the University of Minnesota Duluth and we will wrap things up this week with college hockey analyst uh, supreme Dave Starman part of the broadcast again this year this time on radio uh, but does a terrific job of really teeing things up for us and picking out some players that he's expecting big performances from Uh, so lots to get to without further ado let's get right to it and we will start things off coming up next now these are all conference calls so it's a matter of I I believe it is Mark Bedick's the from the NCAA who is sort of the moderator and would throw to you know all right uh, who's next uh, and I left that part in so you can tell who's a- asking the questions but there was many many times where it was uh, can you unmute your uh, mic and uh, you know you're even with the coaches some of them so I edited out all that stuff although it was kind of funny to listen to but it is a conference call and we will start with uh, head coach Brett Larson from St. Cloud State. He leads off the 2021 Frozen Four Coaches Show here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Turkey. Hey, it's Tyson Jost from the Pentecton Vs. Jost racing back at center by himself, and and Jost shooting scores! Tyson Jost does it himself, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. One hopeful road that my mama showed to me from the moment I first met The Troubled Monk Brew of the Week sure is a tasty one. Bud, what is it? Bucktooth Belgian White, a light and citrusy flavorful beer. This Belgian White is a perfect patio pint. Try it with a freshly cut orange to brighten up your already sunny day. Player comparable, Patrick Kane knows what season to turn it on and has splashes of brilliance. Troubled Monk, visit the tap room in Red Deer or get free same-day home delivery in Alberta by placing an order at TroubledMonk.com. Troubled Monk, craft beverages worth sharing. You're listening to the Pipeline Show. You have my curiosity. With Gee Flaming. Now you have my attention. All right, back on the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. The Pipeline Show brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Let's get to the Frozen Four Coaches Show for 2021. And uh, the way we're doing it this year 
Normally, I would get all four of the coaches on uh, the show uh, individually for one-on-one interviews. This year, because of the COVID situation, I didn't expect that was going to be possible. So got the audio from uh, the NCAA of the uh, coaches' conference call with uh, the media. And uh, so I have those interviews uh, to share with you this week in lieu of uh, what we normally do here on the Pipeline Show. Look forward to that next year. But uh, first up will be Brett Larson, the head coach for St. Cloud State. Third year behind the bench of the Huskies after taking over for Bob Motzko. He uh, came over from Minnesota Duluth, which was his alma mater, and you know inherited a really good team. They won 30 games the following season. Some of those guys had left, and uh, they lost more than they won. But this year, they rebound. Third year behind the bench for Brett Larson. 19-win season, and off to the Frozen Four. Here's the conversation uh, the media had with Coach Larson leading up to the Frozen Four. Wonderful. Thanks so much for joining us. Congratulations getting to this point. Um, real quick, if you give us a quick opening statement, and then we'll open it up to questions. Um, obviously, we're, we're excited to be part of a, a Frozen Four with three other great teams, and, and looking forward to it. Um, first question to Matt Semich. Coach, good morning. Uh your seniors have been at St. Cloud since before you got there, but what do you think that this tournament run means to them? Well, um, it, it, it obviously it's been our goal from the start of the year. Uh, we were a team that at the beginning of the year wasn't picked to be in the top 20, and we had we had a goal for ourselves to finish top half of our league and, and, and make a run in our league tournament and, uh, and make the NCAA tournament, eventually make the Frozen Four. So I think right now they're – they feel like they've accomplished a few of their goals, and they're hungry to accomplish another one. Next question, Anthony Travaglia. Hey, Coach. Um, for for you guys to get this far, um, you know, in, into the the season and, and make it where you are, a lot of things have to go right for you. When you look back at at what you guys you know did throughout the the regular season, what, what are some of the you know maybe defining moments that helped you know shape your team and, and get you to where you guys are? Well, I think our success in the pod helped a lot. Um, the ability to go in and, and play um, nine games in a short period of time in this league and come out of there with a, a six and three record, I think it gave us some confidence that that we can compete with the top teams in the country and that if we can keep getting better, we can make a run. So I think the start of the year, uh, getting off on the right foot really helped, and I think it also um, gave us more fuel for, for a second-half run because the guys started to believe in each other. All right, next question from Zachary Dwyer. Hey, Brett. Um, I guess going into this last week, I know you talked about, um, you know, extending offensive zone time, controlling the puck was going to be big um, for your success in the regional. How do you feel that went over the two games? I thought it, that was the key to our success. We were able to extend offensive zone shifts. Um, we were able to start with a good forecheck, come retrieve the puck, and spend some time in the other team's end. And that's where we needed to play. We, we played two teams with some of the most skilled forwards we've seen, and, and we knew that uh, we needed to make them defend. We didn't want them to be on offense all night. And uh, uh, playing below the dots and getting that ozone time, uh, I think, helped us um, this weekend. I have to move on. Jess Myers. Thanks, Mark. And uh, and congratulations uh, to you, Brett. I just wanted to ask you, number one, uh, Easton Brodzinski, we know he's not going to play at this point. How is he, you know, psyche-wise? And, you know, how tough is it uh, to lose him at this point in the season? Well, I, I think the toughest part, um, is for him. He's, he's incredibly disappointed. Um, he's a guy that's put his heart and soul into this program for four years. His name is synonymous with the program, obviously. 
Um, and you know, all the hard work he's put in and, and now we can't go be a part of this. It's, it's really tough on him. Um, you know, he just wants this so bad for this team and this program. And, and that's tough. On the other hand, our guys, I think from the moment he went down, used it as kind of a rallying cry, um, where we all know we need to bring a little bit more when we lose somebody like that. So I think that's the feel in the room right now. We want to do it for Easton. We want to do it for a guy that's put everything into this program. And we know we're all going to have to bring a little bit more this week, uh, to make up for his loss. Thanks, Brad. Thanks, Jess. Randy Johnson. Yeah, hi, Brett. Congratulations on the Frozen Four. Um, both your regional, uh, games, you fell behind, uh, by a goal. What does it say about your team that, you know, the way you were able to come back and the confidence that they have in doing so? Well, number one, that is not a good strategy. Um, so, uh, you know, um, that's a, a tough way in any of these tournaments, but it does show the resilience and it does through that show that they've been a lot through a lot this year. And one of our main areas of growth that we were hoping to see and, and worked on a lot was really our mental growth and handling adversity. And, and, uh, I think whether it's just this COVID year of being able to handle when things change, change on a daily basis or the fact that we had to play Duluth seven times in North Dakota and all these teams where you're going to get down in games and, and you can't get off your game, you, you need to, uh, be able to stick with it. I think all those things kind of help to prepare us for those moments. Uh, I think that's where our league is great. You're playing the best every night. You're not going to have the lead every night. You need to learn how to play with the lead and you need to learn how to play from behind. And, uh, I was really happy that our, our guys didn't get rattled. They were able to stick with the game plan and, and keep going despite falling behind by a goal in each game. Next question, Kyle Grabrowski. How are you guys approaching the next week or so time off, both in terms of being rested and prepared and managing to keep yourselves virus free? That's, uh, yeah, that's the big thing. I'll start with the virus free part. Obviously we're, we're going to quarantine as, as best we can. The guys will be either at their apartment or at the rink. Um, we've asked them not to have any friends over. Um, they're obviously not going to be going out in public much other than running the grocery store or doing things that human beings need to do. Um, we're, we're testing every day here at the rink. Uh, we're in a pretty tight bubble here at the rink. So obviously the health and safety is a, a major concern considering what's happened in the last couple of weeks. And we want to do everything we can to mitigate that um, and, and make sure we're, we're, like I said, doing the best we can. I know those other teams did the best they can, too. That's the one thing about this. You can do everything right and still get it. So um, all we can do is the best we can, and that's what we'll focus on. Um, as far as our plan of preparation, it, it's it, the, the time frame actually works very well from when we finished the, our frozen face-off game against North Dakota on a Tuesday night. It was about the same number of days until we played in the regional. We're going to follow that script. We want to keep it business-like. We want to keep it focused. We want to keep our energy on a day-to-day focus of continuing to try to get better, push each other, uh, not take our foot off the gas. Um, you do that in a way where maybe it's the practices are a little bit shorter but high intensity because you also want to make sure you're fresh. So uh, we, we liked our game plan going into the regional, and we'll, we'll stick with that uh, going into the, the Frozen Four here. Next question to Brevin Monroe. Coach, how much more does it mean to be playing in a Frozen Four against the team from the home state of Minnesota? Uh, yeah, I understand the question completely, but I, I think when you get to this point, um, those kind of like, what do I want to say, those periphery things about who you're playing, it, it doesn't matter. You're, you're really just preparing to play a great team. And um, kind of that thought of where they're from, it really – it was, it's nice to see three Minnesota teams in, but I think we've already moved past that. Um, now we're focused on playing a team that just 
played a, an amazing game to get into the regional. Um, obviously, we've already watched that. Uh, they're so well coached. They're well prepared. They have a high work ethic. They've got a great game plan. And really, all we're doing is, is, is preparing for a hockey team. Uh, we're not thinking about too much where they're from. Hopefully that makes sense. I, I'm not, I understand the question, but anyway, hope, hope that answer makes sense. All right. Next question to Matt Semich. Coach, what do you take from your first NCAA tournament with the, with the team? I mean, that, uh, the ASC game. Does that, does that matter to you at all and your coaching staff and your older players? That's gone. That, and I, I answered this question a lot going into the week. And, and to be honest, it, it almost frustrated me because I felt like, this was a new team and I almost used COVID as an example with no playoff last year uh, and, and being almost two years removed, it felt fresh. It felt new. The team wasn't looking back. They weren't looking ahead. They were, and I think part of that might be COVID because with COVID, you can only count on the day you're in. You don't know what's going to happen the next day. Um, so the past doesn't really matter so much. The future doesn't really matter so much. And this team it always just felt like a, a very fresh, new mentality of being thankful for the day we have and making the most of it. And I think that, that that's the attitude we're going to continue here with. We're going to go on the ice today and try to get better. And and then we'll focus on tomorrow. We're we're not looking back and we're not looking ahead. All right. Next question to Matt Wellens. Hey, Brett. Um, Greg Carmel just got done talking a lot about, you know, what he learned from his first uh, Frozen Four experience with, with UMass two years ago. I'm wondering if you could talk about – you know, what you learned from all your Frozen Four experiences with, with UMD, especially with everything that goes on, you know, off the rink and, and away from the rink, and maybe reflect on, you know, 2011 when you were in St. Paul. I, I believe that was your first Frozen Four as a coach. Yep, that was the first. Then we had the one in Chicago and then the one back in, in St. Paul. But um, I think the biggest thing you try to do is let the kids be really excited for a couple of days here. Um, so you, they, they, they earned it. They deserved it. They should be excited. Um, and then what you try to do is manage their emotions where you try to get all the distractions out of the way. The, the, the worrying about family tickets. Um, you know, obviously this year with the, with the quarantine, you know, those type of things. You, you try to get the, the, the little things out of the way that may be causing them stress later in the week and going into next week. And then what you do, the next step is to get them refocused on our day to day preparation of getting better and making it hopefully feel no different than your preparation going into the regional. Um, talking about the fact that even though it's the frozen four and we're all excited, it's still a hockey game and we need to prepare for that hockey game just like we have for the previous playoff hockey games. Jess Myers. Brett, I, I just wanted to ask about uh, Pittsburgh. Do you have any history there? Have you been there and, and uh, have you been in that rink before? I have. We actually played in it two years ago. Um, we played in the Robert Morris tournament out there my first year here at uh at St. Cloud. We played the first game against Union up in, in the Penguins practice rink just north of town. Um, and then we played the championship game against Robert Morris in this arena. So, you know, half our team has played in the rink. Um, it's a great setup, beautiful building. Downtown Pittsburgh is awesome. Um, it's a great city. And uh, uh, certainly coached some guys from there uh, back in the day, Kenny Ryder and a few guys. But um, uh, go out there every year for the USHL uh, uh, showcase. So it's a it's a town that a lot of us from out west are real familiar with because we're out there quite a bit for recruiting and and obviously we play there as well. Final question to Matt Mick Hatton. Brett, uh, during the off season, you and I talked about how uh, you were on a lot of conversations with a lot of different coaches. Uh, <laughs> uh, you guys got to know each other a lot better. How, yeah. how much 
talked with Mike Hastings uh, during the off season. And uh, how long have you known him? Yeah, well, I've known him since I got into coaching. Uh, I have a ton of respect for Mike Hastings. He does a great job. He's a he's a great coach, good person. Uh, I was on a on a conference call this summer. Hasty, Sandlin, myself, and Jerry Key from Northeastern, who we worked with on the World Junior staff, um, and and we would have a, a different pro coach do a Zoom for us, kind of every other week, and uh, we kind kind of all joked uh, that you know our teams were either going to be better next year or we we're going to be the most overcoached team in the world because all we had was time to think about things all summer and, <laughs> and be on these Zoom calls. So um, it, I've. He's a guy that I just have a ton of respect for. Uh, I love how his teams play. They play the right way. They play hard. They clearly play for each other and for him and his staff. And uh, um, obviously him being a St. Cloud alum, there's, there's a connection there. And, and uh, um, I just, I just, long story short, I got a lot of respect for him. Coach, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate your time, and we'll see you in Pittsburgh. Awesome, guys. Thanks for everything. Appreciate it. Head coach Brett Larson uh, for St. Cloud State. The Huskies with a record of 19-10-0 this year. One of two NCHC teams uh, off to Pittsburgh for the Frozen Four. And as I lead you to uh, the break and get to the next coach, uh, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pick out three guys that I'll be watching for. Big impact for these players. Or uh, if, if St. Cloud is going to win, uh, it's going to be a team effort. Obviously, with the loss of Easton Brodzinski, you heard Coach talk about it there and what he means to the program, what he means to the team. And, you wonder if it's uh, something that the team can rally around like they did uh, in the regionals. All right, three guys that I'm watching for. Obviously, their top scorer this year is VT Mietinen. Toronto Maple Leafs draft pick had 24 points, including 11 goals along the way. I'll also be watching for his fellow countryman in Yummy Crandola, who also had 11 goals this season, 23 points. So just one off the top spot. There are some other guys in the mix at the top there. Nick Perbix, obviously, is a defenseman. Uh, putting up big numbers, but I'm looking at three smallish forwards, and Mietin in one of them, Granola one, and uh, how about Zach Okabe, who's uh, from Alberta, Okotoks kid, played up in uh, Grand Prairie, I believe it was, in the AJHL, 21 points this year, second in team uh, assists behind Nick Perbitz, uh, three smallish forwards, but they will have to be big for St. Cloud at the Frozen Four if they uh, hope to advance past Minnesota State, and on to the national championship game. Those are my picks for St. Cloud State. When we come back, we will hear from the coach on the other bench in the opening game. That would be Mike Hastings, the bench boss of the Minnesota State Mavericks. That's next here on the Pipeline Show on the Frozen Four Coaches Show, brought to you by Will Hawk Beef Jerky. Sean takes a look. A shot oh takes a my! And it's deflected in by Ryan Paling. A shot spotted him, set him up for the redirect, and it's now 4-1 St. Cloud State. Hey, it's Ryan Paling from St. Cloud State University, and you're listening to The Pipeline Show. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Joe Pavelski. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! Johnny Gaudreau. Score! And Tori Krupp. 
We're stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. And here he is, having the time of his life. Back on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhawk Beef Jerky. Let's continue on with the 2021 Frozen Four Coaches Show. All four coaches uh, were part of a conference call with uh, the somewhat international media. I know Ryan Kennedy from the Hockey News, I was listening in on the call and uh, was trying to connect, but had some sort of Zoom issue, so wasn't able to get his question in. But uh, there were uh, lots of familiar names. Some of them you'll hear and recognize from uh, being previous guests on the Pipeline show. Uh, Well, we heard from Brett Larson in the last segment. St. Cloud State will be taking on Minnesota State. So two Minnesota programs uh, colliding at the Frozen Four in Pittsburgh. Head coach Mike Hastings of the Minnesota State Mavericks is uh, up next. And you look at their record this year, 22-4-1. That's an 833 winning percentage, obviously. They've been a dominating force in the WCHA. Uh, he's been behind the bench for the last nine years. They have not lost, or they have not won fewer than, uh, I believe it was 21 games in his tenure there. And uh, even this year, they won 22 games in, obviously, a very short season. Uh, remarkable success they've had until they got to the national tournament. Couldn't win a game. Despite how dominating they've been, They've this is the seventh year of his uh, nine behind the bench that the Mavs have made it to the national uh, tournament hadn't won a game until this year and they did it in dramatic fashion as they uh, needed overtime in that opening round against Quinnipiac but they are ready to go and uh, they are you ask most people and they're the favorite uh, in this head-to-head matchup against St. Cloud State Uh, so let's hear from Mike Hastings from the NCAA's coaches conference call which happened at the end of uh, last week Thank you so much for joining us, Coach. And uh, if you can give us a quick opening statement, then we'll open up for questions. You bet. Uh, first of all, I just I'd like to uh, uh, commend uh, our experience out in Loveland uh, as far as a host uh, city and and hosting a regional. Um, and and it's <laughs> not because we actually won a game at a regional. Um, uh, more so on the idea of of just. Uh, how that event was ran in proximity to the hotel and and having all the teams in one area and just how smooth it was in an in a pandemic um so so first of all that the the people out there Denver University the host uh, how that tournament that weekend was uh, as far as an experience one Obviously, because we're moving on was good, but just the experience from start to finish uh, on on everything that went on. So I want to commend uh, Loveland. Then uh, from our side, we're just excited. We're, you know, it's a long trip coming back. Uh, I'm not going to tell you you make plans for the next step uh, until you get to the next step. So for us to be in process right now, just preparing for a very, uh, very good St. Cloud State team uh, is one that we're all excited about. And, you know, just trying to get as much of the uh, planning done as soon as possible so we can get back to playing hockey and preparing. Our first question goes to Mick Hatton. Hey, Mike, uh, congratulations. Uh, we, we was 
asking uh, Brett a little bit about this. I know you guys had some Zoom calls o- over the summer. How, how long have you known Brett, and and uh, uh, you know what's your what's your relationship like with him? I've known Brett for a while, uh, and and what I mean by that is just you know one growing up and and uh, he was obviously a very accomplished hockey player, uh, and then just you know with him having his time at at Duluth. And competing against Duluth and, and then seeing him uh, get the head coaching job at St. Cloud State, which is, you know, what, where, where I have my degree from. Uh, and, you know, when, when, when you start having multiple experiences with somebody, you get to know them uh, on just different levels and uh, also shared some time with them uh, on the world junior uh, evaluation camp in Plymouth. Uh, when, when Scotty was taking the team after, uh, Scott was on my staff, uh, the year previously. So I spent, uh, five, six days there with him. And, you know, uh, it seems like success just has a tendency to follow Brett. Um, so, uh, excited for him. We talked a little bit yesterday. <laughs> we know we're, we're, we're probably not going to talk a lot between now and then. Um, but I'm very happy for him because, uh, he's just a quality individual and obviously is doing a lot of the right things at St. Cloud State. Chris Peters, go ahead. Hi, Mike. Uh, congratulations as well. And uh, first off, you know we all we all saw the uh, the video of the locker room. Do you have a name for that uh, fist pump dance kind of thing? Uh, and how long have you been waiting to pull that one out? Uh, Chris, I've taken a lot of abuse for that, by the way, when <laughs> uh, probably well deserved. Um, I I didn't know that that was. I, I came around the corner after the uh, video or after the uh, interview. Uh, following the game and uh, I didn't know that that was that was going to be uh taped and then it was released uh before before I had any idea of that so I'm going to I'll tell you that that won't probably happen again <laughs> uh so uh but I will tell you you know what it was uh it's not something that was scripted it was that's one that y- you guys all understand you know the the walls within that locker room uh, are are pretty important, and um, it was a long time coming. I was happy for the guys. Uh, we've had some young men in there that that have dis you know faced disappointment in those situations before, and so to to be able to getting to a, a final or a frozen four was something that was uh, you know we had our goal set on that. Uh, not only this year, but previously, and we've never been able to get there. So uh, nothing scripted, just uh, really just some raw motion and really happy for our group. Yep, and I do have a serious question too. So, um, but, but thanks for that. We did enjoy that. I will say that. Um, but my, you know, I mean, just the opportunity now having, having had such a, such a great couple of wins there. Every, we've all talked about the, the drought and everything, and now that's off your shoulders. I mean, how much confidence has been built? over the two days in Loveland and, and how do you carry that over? You know, I know there's a gap now between these games and you got to stay safe and everything else, but just how do you, how do you sustain that momentum and confidence that you guys have built up with those two wins? Well, hopefully you ask the guys to just revisit, you know, the experience for them on, on Sunday. And what I mean by that is you could see, I think after the first period on Saturday, uh, our team, I think I'm back to playing to our identity and for the, the, the five periods after that, uh, I think is more of a, you know, picture of what we want to be. Um, and, and just getting back to our, again, our identity. So, um, you know, we're giving them a couple of days off here to recharge mentally and physically. We didn't get back till about uh, 5 a.m. 
so uh, not much of a day off yesterday, and we're just going to reset and get back after it. We had we had to have a reset against Northern um, because of of the outcome not being what we wanted, and so we're going to just go back and, and get back on the rink here, reset, ask them to draw off that experience, and continue to play with some confidence. Next question to Kyle Grabowski. With the time between when you guys last played and the next game, and given what's happened in this tournament, how conscious are you guys going to be of really being vigilant about your COVID protocols and really making sure that that's not something that gets into you at this point? It's it's paramount. Without us being able to manage that, we don't have the opportunity to play. And uh, you guys were all experiencing the same thing we were this last weekend. When when all of a sudden Notre Dame has what happens to them, we happen to be on, you know, getting back on the ice and practicing uh, for the, the only time that we were able to out in Loveland. All of a sudden, my, you know, while we're out practicing, Michigan pops. And, and all of a sudden, they're out. The anxiety level every time you walked into that testing center rose from there on out. Uh, because, you know, we didn't know what how the process was and what happened to Michigan. We had a little bit of an idea of what had happened in Notre Dame. And so, uh, I, you know, it's something we addressed when we got back here immediately. Uh, we've addressed it a couple times with our leadership group since. And we're talking about it every day and trying to mitigate risk. Uh, and and make sure that we're putting a process together every day so that we can just get to our next practice. We tested this morning. Uh, we're going to test multiple times before we leave uh, just in that preparation. But it's very important. Next question to Jason Feldman. Hi, Mike. Um, can you talk a little bit about uh, Todd Knott and Darren Blue, uh, just how valuable they've been in getting the program to this point and uh, what this trip to the Frozen Four means to those two guys? Yeah, you bet. Um, uh, they're the ones that do all the heavy lifting. Uh, the guys that sit in the head coach's chair understand it's incredibly important who you surround yourself with. And I want to credit one guy, first of all, it'd be Dean Blaze. You know, when, when I was fortunate to get the job here, Dean, you know, just said, he, he says, hey, well, you got an idea of what you want to do for your staff. And I said, no, I go, I, you know, th- there's some idea of what I, what I'd like to get done. Um, and he goes, well, if I can just give you a suggestion, you don't have to go in. Every, everybody looks at today's world. You have to go in and clean house. He said, you know what? Those are two pretty good guys that are in that program right now. Take your time, get a chance to know them, but you, you don't have to go into that position saying you've got a clean house and, uh, Thank goodness I listened to, to Dean Blaze. And my experience with Todd and Darren, you know, we're all from northern part of Minnesota. We're all Section 8. Uh, for those in Minnesota, you'll understand that. It's just uh, how the state's divided up. And uh, they've been instrumental. Uh, Todd Kanati thinks one of the brightest uh, hockey minds and, and recruiting coordinator that there is in the country. He's done a phenomenal job at making sure we have the right fit here as far as not only a hockey player, but the person that we bring in. And Darren Blue's been a part of Minnesota State University for an extended period of time because he played here um, and the connections that he had when I first got here. So it allowed me to have some comfort immediately because they were here before I was. And so they made that transition a lot easier and um, Blessed that the university has allowed me to keep those guys around and support them the, the way that they've supported me. Okay, and our final question will go to Randy Johnson. 
Yeah, hi, Mike. Uh, congratulations on making the Frozen Four. Um, what do you expect out of St. Cloud? What, what type of game do you expect to face out of, out of them? Well, first of all, just watch it a little bit that I have. For, thank you, by the way. Uh, I feel like you're watching a little bit of you can take the jersey and change it from maroon to black. Uh, they've got a lot of tendencies. They're, 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 they're about as honest as it gets. They play in all three zones. Uh, but they, they look like Duluth, you know. Um, I, I think the one thing that I can tell you, that's from a structural standpoint. Uh, their, their forwards are creative. Uh, they, they, they're relentless. I think they're, one thing you saw on the weekend when, when, and, and I hope Brodzinski's, uh, healing up well, because that, that was, that was not, not good to see. And what you saw out of that team when they were able to continue to play the way that they played and, and stay on it when they lost someone like him, uh, I think says a lot about their group. Their defensive core is big, hard, mobile. Perbix is good. Rennick's playing outstanding right now. Um, they're well coached. They're well disciplined. They're going to be a hard out. That, that's what I'm expecting out of, out of St. Cloud State. Coach Hastings, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, congratulations and we look forward to seeing Pittsburgh. Thank you. Take care. For the Mavericks to win, obviously there are going to be some individual performances that are going to have to stand out. And the first one that comes to me, well, there's two Albertans on the back end. And yes, I'm playing the, uh, the Canadian card. So I'm going to point out Jake Livingstone and Akito Hiroshi, both of them Canadians, Akito Hiroshi from Calgary and Livingstone from Creston, B.C. Both played in the BCHL, both freshmen this year, but both playing big roles on uh, that team for Minnesota State. And obviously, I think everybody knows their MVP is Dryden McKay. In net, the junior, not a big guy, at uh, listed at 5'11 and 175 pounds, but he can stop the puck. No question about that. So th- those are the three guys I really think are, are going to be difference makers for that team. And uh, somebody who needs to get going, uh, Todd Burgess, who has been very unproductive in his senior year, uh, in the second half of his senior year, started off pretty well, uh, but has not registered a point since February 25th. So that is a six-game drought at absolutely the wrong time. So we'll see if uh, Burgess can pull one out for the Mavericks, so when it matters here in Pittsburgh. Up next, via the Troubled Monk Hotline, we're going to uh, check in with the other two teams. Uh, first up, we'll look at UMass, who were dealt a massive blow here this week. We'll get to that next. Greg Carvel, who's on the last Frozen Four Coaches show, as his club went all the way to the national title game. Familiar opponent from that year that they'll be playing in Pittsburgh. Greg Carvel from UMass and the Minutemen. He's up next here on the Pipeline Show's Frozen Four Coaches Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. McKechnie won it, left half boards, McCarr skates down the boards to the corner, stops up there, then got around a defender to the side of the net, cuts in front, shoots and scores! A thing of beauty, a work of art, Kale McCarr just took over this whole game, dangling a defender out of his skates at the left corner, cutting to the slot untouched. Hey, it's Kale McCarr of the Brooks Bandits, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Spruce Grove St. AJHL Hockey is back for the 2020-2021 season. 
Due to the ongoing pandemic, the attendance is limited at the Grant Fear Arena in Spruce Grove. You can follow along across social media at SG Saints and support the Saints by heading to sprucegrovesaints.ca and purchasing your Cash is King tickets today. Over $33,000 in prizes to be given away. Again, head to sprucegrovesaints.ca for more information. The Spruce Grove Saints, proud supporters of the Pipeline Show. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Jive Turkey is a little over the line, my man. Back on The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, and we continue on with the Frozen Four Coaches Show. And up next is the University of Massachusetts and uh, the Minutemen, led again, once again, by uh, head coach Greg Carvel. Got them to the national championship in 2019. And, of course, we all know last year basically didn't happen. Uh, but they are back at the Frozen Four once again, and they will play the team that they were in the national championship game against in uh, 2019. They're going up against the University of Minnesota Duluth. This week did not get off to a great start uh, for UMass as uh, as College Hockey News and USCHO both reported on uh, Tuesday, April 6th. Four Massachusetts players have been ruled out of Thursday's NCAA National Semifinal due to COVID-19 contact tracing, and they are some impact players. Uh, I'm going to butcher this name, but he is their leading goal scorer, uh, Carson Gisowitz, I'm going to say. G-I-C-E-W-I-C-Z, or Z for you Americans. Henry Graham, Jerry Harding, and uh, arguably the top goaltender in college hockey. I know Dryden McKay would have something to say about that, as would Jack LaFontaine, but uh, Philip Lindbergh, Minnesota Wilds seventh round pick was having a heck of a year after coming back from an injury. All four of those guys, they're done for the season. They will not be partaking in the Frozen Four. So obviously a blow. When you lose your leading goal scorer, that's one thing. When you lose your the guy who has been your starting netminder for the last month and a half, that's something else. Now, there is the safety net for UMass that most teams don't have the luxury of having, but they've got a, a you know a 1A and 1B situation there. Matt Murray from St. Albert played for the Spruce Grove Saints. He was their starter for the first half of the season. And as a senior, man, this would be uh, quite the script he'd be writing if he was able to uh, get them past the two-time defending champs and into a national title. And uh, what a better way to finish than to win a national championship you know, you never wish injury on anybody, but it does open a door of opportunity for someone else. And uh, Matt Murray staring right at that door right now. Well, the conversation that Coach Carvel had with the media last week, obviously before all of this news this week. So uh, he, he's going to be asked about uh, some of these players. But his answer in regards to his goaltending situation, very interesting, and now becomes even more timely. So uh, enjoy this conversation just quickly. The UMass goes 18-5-4 this year. That's a 741 uh, winning percentage. Greg Carville, his tenure behind the bench for Massachusetts. This was season number five. They have been to the NCAAs the last three consecutive years. Has really taken that program to a new level. Here is Greg Carville from uh, last week's NCAA Coaches Conference Call. Very excited to be headed back to the Frozen Four. Uh, we did two years ago difference this time is that I think we're all pretty excited to go in there with some experience. Last time it was eyes wide open, just 
go where we were told. And now we kind of have a feeling of how it runs and how important it is to make sure your players get proper rest and preparation. So the experience we think will be very helpful for us this time. Uh, I think this team deserves to be in the Frozen Four. Uh, we haven't lost a game since January. I think we were 9-0-3 or something like that in our last 12 games. So team's playing very well, playing very well defensively. Um, certain guys bringing their game up. Carson Jusevich, Jake Gaudet, our older guys, are leading the way, which is important this time of the year. And uh, Philly Lindbergh's maybe – Maybe the uh, untold story of college hockey, how well he's playing this year. He's He's got stats that I don't know if I've seen in a long time. Evan Marinoski, go ahead and you can unmute yourself and ask the question. Um, so after the hockey's uh, playoff win, you mentioned how when you first took the job, you know, it was so crazy to imagine that you'd have that success that quickly. I'm, I'm curious if someone came and said to you when you first took the job uh, that you'd be in two straight throws and fours in year three and five, I'm curious what your reaction would have been. I mean, would you have been surprised? Would you have been, uh, would you have expected it? I'm curious what your reaction might have been to that. I'm pretty sure anybody would, would have answered they'd be surprised. Uh, just given how tough our conference is and just where the program stood when we got here. Uh, I was very fortunate to hire Ben Barr and Jared DeMichael and those guys are as responsible as, as anybody for the reason why the program's where it's at. Nobody, I don't think anybody could have forecasted what's happened. We've brought in some really high-level players, but more importantly, high-level people, and that's really important. And I just came here with a vision. I went to St. Lawrence with a vision, and um, you know, I'm old enough that I, I had enough experience at different levels of hockey and with different people to think to have a, a vision of how I thought programs should be run. And it's uh, it's not always about how good your players are. It's about how strong your culture is and, and how committed your players are to playing the game the right way. And I think we've just done a really good job uh, executing on that. Anthony Trevaglia, you're next. Please unmute yourself. Hey, Coach. When you when you look back at how the season ended um, two seasons ago, then last year COVID comes in, you know, ends the season prematurely, and you kind of don't get to see how things play out. Uh, does that make what you guys have gone through, you know, this season and where you're at now even more special? I think, you know, I was just on the NCAA uh, call to prepare all of us for the for the weekend, and it was ended by someone who's, who said, you know what, this is just awesome because back in September, probably none of us would have expected that this would be the play out. And we're just, it's just really special that in this crazy year that this group of kids have been able to do what they have, and they get rewarded by a what should be a really great experience in Pittsburgh. And it was awesome in Buffalo two years ago. The fact that there'll be, I guess, around 7,000 fans in the building will be, it's going to be strange. We've, we've become accustomed to having no fans in the building. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. And hopefully there's a little bit of buzz. That's that what, what was missing at the regional was just the buzz around the hotel and the buzz around the rink because everybody was kept separated and isolated, but hopefully in Pittsburgh there's a little bit of that buzz because uh, it's a really special opportunity to to, be, to make the Frozen Four. And uh, the, the NCAA and all the administrators in college hockey have done an outstanding job to allow us this opportunity. So I think our team's in a really good place. As I said, the experience of two years ago will, will 
be critical in helping us uh, because we're going to have to play the same tough team again. And uh, last time we played Duluth, it wasn't close. They 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 shut the door on us, beat us. Thing was three nothing, and uh, you know expect uh, we're going to have an equally tough challenge this time. All right, Jimmy Conley, you're up. Mark, and uh, congratulations, Greg. Um, look at your defensive numbers. You take that game against Maine out. I think it's been one goal or less for quite some time now, maybe two against Providence. But when you look at those, the defense, I know you obviously have a great goaltender. You've got some great defensemen. But how much has the forward group committed to playing a 200-foot game, particularly as the season's gone on? Has that been something that's improved? Yeah, it's been a focus. Uh, you know, it's going back to my vision of what I wanted the program to be. And you don't win if you're not a good defensive hockey team. And you're you're asking about the forwards, but I think it's more impressive of the defensemen that we have when you have Zach Jones and Mark Delgaiso and Aaron Bollinger and kids who are really good offensive defensemen, but they're committed to playing really strong defense. Um, and then you got Matt Kessel and Colin Fields who are two big, strong, hard uh, defensemen, but they're all good two-way players. But it starts with the goaltender, and, and Matt Murray was a, was a heck of a goalie too, and he carried us early in the year. But Philly's come in and played at a, a level that just I, I've not seen. And uh, so it goes into the defensemen and then our forwards, and we're not a super skilled team by any means. Um, we're just the kids are committed to playing what I believe is, is the right way. And – limiting teams and frustrating teams and then being opportunistic. And, you know, you've seen us play enough, Jimmy. We don't sit back. We, we play the game hard going forward, but hard coming back. And uh, it just, it just, it, it's how I want my teams to play. And, uh, you know, we're just, we've done a good job down the stretch here, really refining it. And again, Duluth, I have a ton of respect for Sandy and, and what he's done and, the whole college hockey world feels the same, and we're going to have to be extremely uh, at our best to, to move past them. Thanks. Trevor Haas, you're up. Hey, Greg, just kind of building off Aaron's, uh, Evan's initial question, could you just reflect on year one and just kind of what you learned from that year that helped lead you to uh, where you are now? Yeah. Um, I felt the championship game, even though it was, you know, it wasn't the next day. We, we played till after midnight in an overtime game against Denver. And the next day, you know, the itinerary just had us up and going, and it was too much. And Kale McCarr had the Hobie Baker ceremony, and after that, his dad told me, he goes, Kale is gassed. And so we were all, we kind of, I don't want to say limped in, but um, we were a tired team going into that championship game. And we, you know, we've already talked about how if we're fortunate enough to move on, that we need to make sure recovery is, is our priority. And even even heading into the semifinal game is and it's a different year that there there won't be as many distractions because of COVID. But um, we learned that we have to do what's best for our players first. And uh, last time I don't think we did that well enough. Trevor Haas, uh, just building off of uh, Evans' initial, initial question, could you just reflect on uh, year one with the program and just what that taught you about you know what you, what it takes to be successful year in year out? From year one at UMass. Yes. Um, well, we, uh, we, we finished the season. We lost 17 games in a row. We lost 29 games in total. And I, I can't but 
the thing that I took away from that year is I don't think we ever got blown out. That was that was kind of the goal in year one was to set the tone and try to start creating a culture, but it, it was based on competing on the ice. And um, I don't know if we ever really got, you know, we never lost by four or five goals. And that was, to me, even though we weren't winning games, we were competing. And um, we were very consistent and, and a lot of structure. And, and then we had to determine, like, which kids – we thought could be part of the future. And then the next year we brought in 13 kids in our freshman class. Uh, those kids are now seniors. And I think there's only five or six left. Uh, a few of them are in the NHL. Uh, a couple moved on to, to other schools. But the, the ones that are left here are high, high quality, high character kids who've really worked hand in hand with me to create the culture that I that I hope to. So that first year, it was eye-opening. Uh, it was it was uh, just a year to get my feet under myself and, and the staff, and just be patient. And uh, you know, you, you got to bring in your own kids, and those kids believe in you. And it was a rough year. It wasn't fun by any means, uh, but I guess it's part of the process. And I'd much rather talk about the last three years than the first year. Uh, next question from Matt Valtor from Mass Live. Um, for you, you've you've said at one point that sometimes you can be a hard coach to play goalie for. Is is Philae kind of the the um? Is he kind of a perfect mixture of of calm and competitive to 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 make that to kind of make that that relationship work to to make that to, to both. Just for for the team that you have, and and to and for kind of playing for you. Uh, I think I don't think I'm a hard coach to play for as a goalie. It's just the, more the circumstances where I've got two really good goalies, and that puts me in a tough situation trying to to make the right decision. And uh, Philly's Philly has always had the potential to be a, a really strong goaltender. And what happened this uh, summer? You know, he came to me and was like, I, I need to play more. And I got angry at him. And I said, then be better. I was like, I know Matt's a good goalie, but you want to play more? Be better than him. And I said the same thing to Matt. I said, you guys both aren't happy. I, you know, make it make it easy for me. And Matt made it real easy in the first half of the year. He won seven in a row. And then Philly uh, came back, and he hasn't you – know, he's lost one game this year. And we've, we've gone 12 games without a loss. And, and I told him this summer, I said, you want to play every game, get a 940 save percentage and, and be under two goals a game. And so it's what he did. And so now he plays every game. And uh, for him, I, I think the holdback has always been the mental part of the game. And uh, the physical part's always been there. He's a, I like his demeanor. He never gets – he's not an emotional goalie. He's a, he's, he's a consistent, constant in everything that he does. But – you know, it hasn't been fair to either kid. They're better if they own the net and they get the, and they know they're going to play most every night. And it wasn't like that for two years. And I, I understand that that uh, wasn't great for either of their development, but it's just, it was the circumstances. And I got it's no different than I got two defensemen. Which one am I going to play? You know, which one's going to do I think is going to help us win? And it's not ideal for the goaltending situation, but Chile um, has taken this game to. Really, really impressive levels, and I'm very happy for them. 
Final question for Coach. We'll go to uh, Kyle Grabowski, please. With the gap ahead of you, uh, do you almost wish the games were sooner, both with how you're playing and trying to avoid COVID, or like, do you think that you, how are you guys going to handle this gap in, in between now and the, the Frozen Four? Well, that's another area where experience is important. I, I, I look back on how we handled the gap two years ago, and I don't, I would have, I told myself I, I would have changed how we handle things, giving the guys a little bit more time, downtime, but you have to have this gap because you can't return from Bridgeport. You know, most teams had to fly, return on a Sunday, get on a plane and be in Pittsburgh on Monday. So you have to have that gap. And again, of course, we're, we're going to have to sidestep COVID as, as well as we can. Um, but I, I, I don't mind it. Teams playing well, but, um, we had a two week, uh, shutdown in the middle of the season and we came back. We came out of that. We beat Providence eight to one. So uh, this group likes to be rested. Uh, they know what they need to do. I'm not worried about them losing their edge. Uh, so I'm, I'm good with the, the little bit of a pause. I'm fine with it. We'll, we'll be in Pittsburgh before we know it. Coach, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate it. And we'll look forward to seeing Pittsburgh. All right. Thanks, guys. Greg Carville and the Minutemen will be going up against the University of Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs. And they're going to need some guys to step up, especially considering some of the key players who will not be available to them now. Uh, and first guy for me is Matt Murray, the goaltender. The Edmonton area kid played in the AJHL with the Spruce Grove Saints. That's Matt Murray, six foot one, 195 pounds. He's in his senior year. Obviously, he's going to be motivated. Looking for him to have a big performance on Thursday for the Minutemen. And how about Oliver Chow, another AJHLer from the Brooks Bandits? He's an Ontario product, but came to Alberta to play his junior hockey. Second leading scorer for the Minutemen. Most of those assists, though. Big, uh, big guy on the power play. Controls the puck a lot. And UMass has six Canadians, so uh, not hard to pick another one. How about we go with another senior, Jake Godet's been around a long time. For this program now in his senior year, and you heard Coach Carvel talk about how how important that senior class is to this program, setting up that winning culture, and they will be ready to go. Tough test on Thursday, but it'll be guys like Godet that uh, helps lead the way. You know, let me know who you think the impact players will be for UMass. You can get me on Twitter at TPS underscore Gee. One more coach to get to, and then we'll have another guest after that. But uh, next up will be the final coach and have to leave the two-time defending champs to the end, and that would be Scott Sandlin and the University of Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs. He's up next here on the Pipeline Show's Frozen Four Coaches Show. It's brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Minnesota Duluth gets it again. Tynan goes out of there on a tripping call. Third power play of the game for the Bulldogs. Fontaine dropped it in the middle. Great pass. Conley scores! Ladies and gentlemen, from Calgary, Alberta, Mike Conley, University of Minnesota Duluth National Championships 2011, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Ah, you babes, all about your Madison shoes. We got a thing we call the Madison Blues. The 
Troubled Monk Brew of the Week has a lot of character, but tell us about it. The Pesky Pig Pale Ale. Named after the little piggy that never went to the market, this super approachable pale ale has all kinds of citrus flavors, including huge grapefruit note. Player comparable, Matthew Kachuk. Always in the mix, and no matter what, you'd rather him on your team. Troubled Monk, visit the tap room in Red Deer or get free same-day home delivery in Alberta by placing an order at troubledmonk.com. That's Troubled Monk, craft beverages worth sharing. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with... If one of y'all says some silly-ass name, this whole class is going to feel my wrath. Gee Flaming. Son of a bitch! It is the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming, and it is our 2021 Frozen Four Coaches Show. Of course, the Pipeline Show is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky, but we head back to the Troubled Monk Hotline to speak with the, or hear from, the fourth coach. It almost seems like tradition now we have to get this guy on. Of course, his team has been to the last three, including this year, actually the last four Frozen Four Championships. And uh, looking for a three-peat, that of course would be Scott Sandlin from the University of Minnesota Duluth. The only Frozen Four that I was able to take in firsthand, in person, was in uh, 2011 in St. Paul, Minnesota. And uh, wouldn't you know it? It was the Bulldogs who won that one in a dramatic fashion overtime against the uh, Michigan Wolverines, the team that they were supposed to play in the first round. All these sidebar stories that go into it, but of course the big one uh, for this year is uh, that Duluth is playing UMass, the team that they played in the final of the 2019 tournament. Well, uh, Scott Sandlin was part of the uh, NCAA's conference call last week. Let's get right to that conversation, and I'll uh, tell you a little bit more about the program after the conversation, but here is a uh, Scott Sandlin. So if you give us a quick opening statement, coach, and then we'll open up for questions. Uh, yeah, just again, super excited to get back to the frozen four, um, certainly for our program. And uh, obviously it was a pretty dramatic game, uh, you know, a historic game that uh, we found a way to win. So um, like I said, all the guys are excited uh, to get back there. It's, it's great for our program and, and our university. Thanks, Coach. Uh, Matt Wellens, question? Scott, I also originally had this down as uh, 11.30 until uh, I saw Sean's email. So, <laughs> come on, Mark, three Minnesota teams in here. Let's do everything in Central time. <laughs> um, Scott, that five-overtime uh, uh, playoff game, how are the guys feeling after that, that marathon that ended Sunday night, um, specifically how Zach Stasekel doing and, and Connor mm-hmm. Kelly? Uh, guys are good. I mean, obviously Zach was, was feeling better certainly on our way home too, you know, uh, pretty draining for, for a lot of guys. So, uh, we, we kept them away and letting them kind of, you know, get their rest and, and kind of, you know, re-energize a little bit here. So we'll get back at it here, uh, tomorrow. How's Connor Kelly doing? He's doing good. Uh, I haven't got the recent update, so we'll see with him. He's kind of on the day-to-day thing right now. So um, if I have any more updates later, I'll give them to you. Chris Peters, do you have a question? Scott, this is uh, obviously familiar territory for you guys. I mean, what is the what is it like for having kind of younger players in the program that haven't experienced this? Thinking about guys like Wyatt Kaiser, um, how does that kind of propel a team that has so much championship experience? Uh, well, I think it's number one, it's great for those guys. I mean, even our sophomores uh, didn't get to experience it last year with obviously the shutdown. So, um, other than that, you know, the guys that were returning, that's all they've known so far, you know, 
that they'd been here and is playing in the tournament and, and getting to the frozen four. So um, these are, these are building blocks. Like these are important things for your program. It's great for the young guys to experience, uh, you know, even the regional games or the region and, and the regional final and, you know, get the understanding of how hard it is to get here. And uh, obviously this is the next step. So, um, you know, they're, they're excited about it. They don't really know, but that's hopefully where our older guys again can come in and, and keep, uh, you know, doing what they've done the whole year and as far as the leadership and, and just uh, letting them know kind of what to expect. And, uh, but it's, it's really important. It's, it's really important to, to get to these points and, and experience it. And, you know, obviously the goal is to play the last game of the year and, um, hopefully we can do that, but, uh, uh, these are really important, uh, for those young guys. And one one quick follow up, just uh, Wyatt Kaiser seems to have come in, uh, and and really there's been no drop off from some of the guys that you've had in the past. I mean, I think a lot of, there were a lot of questions about what the decor was going to look like without Perunovic and and Stamberg and all those guys. Mm-hmm. But what what is uh, Wyatt kind of? How has he kind of been able to fill that gap for you guys? Well, you know, we we threw him right into the fire, right? I mean, it's it's no different, uh, you know, than. Kelly and, and Goats, the other two freshmen, but, uh, you know, similar to what we did back when those guys came in, you know, they, they went right in and played and, and they, they stayed and they learned through the games, uh, you know, you know, they were going to, they were allowed to make mistakes and, and just grow. And, but you know, Wyatt's done a great job. I mean, you know, as a young player coming out of high school hockey, this is a tough level. You know, you didn't play junior hockey and, you know, right from the start of the year, even, even before we played, he, you know, he looked really good and confident and obviously there's been some growing pains still during the year, but his, he's been pretty consistent for a young player. And, um, I think he's learned a lot. Um, he's played a ton for us in a lot of key situations and, you know, he's, he's certainly a catalyst back there for us as a young player. All right. Next question at Evan Marinovsky. Scott, you're going against UMass again. I'm curious if you were able to. You know, use the film from two years ago. What you know, what your sort of thoughts are on it? Well, you know, I'll see. You know, I haven't seen them play a lot. I think I watched a little bit of one of their hockey finals or playoff games uh, when we weren't playing. But uh, again, Greg's got you know has done a great job there. Uh, I don't think they're playing a whole lot different than they did a couple years ago. They're you know their team. Um, Again, like I said, I'll, I'll watch more, but, uh, I'll see what they're, you know, what they're doing, uh, you know, now and, and does that compare or is there any differences? But, uh, I think they're a very similar team that likes to, you know, likes to play with pressure. I, I know in the offensive zone, they, they do a good job. Their D are very active and they keep a lot of pucks alive and attack the net. And, you know, right now they're playing with a lot of confidence. Uh, you know, they haven't lost in, I don't know, 13 games, I think, or 14. So they're, they're coming in on a roll, but, um, it, it's, it, it's a good matchup. Uh, it's fun to, to, you know, play them. We haven't, we've never played them in, except for two years ago. So it's, uh, I'm, I'm sure they're looking forward to the matchup too, but we'll watch tape and see if there's any similarities or differences from maybe what they were doing before, but we're focusing on what they're doing now, not two years ago. Next question is Sam Ali. Hey, Scott, um, just defensively, kind of how impressed were you with the guys, especially going into the third, the fourth, and into that fifth overtime? Um, how impressive was that for the guys to kind of stick with it? And that's kind of how you you built the championships before. It was the defense, on the defensive side, uh, how you guys played. 
Uh, yeah, good. I mean, you know, I mean, we were doing really well <laughs> up until the last couple minutes of the game where, where North Dakota scored the two empty netters. But I thought both teams really managed the game well in the overtimes, uh, you know, both ways. I mean, nobody really – there were spurts, um, but I thought both teams really managed the game. I think that's really – really critical, uh, especially the deeper you got. I thought, you know, whether it was defensively or not taking too many chances and, and you know, making good line changes, getting pucks in, things like that. But um, I thought, uh, you know, one of the things for our team all year is that, you know, defensively, especially with the new goaltender or goaltenders, I should say, and, and a little bit of a different defense core. So um, our team's kind of bought into that, and that's kind of been our, our strength even over, you know, the – so um, hopefully it can continue to be a strength because uh, we we did a pretty good job uh, against a, a pretty a good offensive team in North Dakota, and we're going to have to do the same thing against UMass because they can score. Next question, Nick Hatton. Hey, Brett. Uh, Brett. Scott. Uh, He's, I got more hair than him, Nick. <laughs> you're, the, you're the only coach in the, in the state who does, right? <laughs> That's true. That's true. I feel good about that. <laughs> what was it like for you just to see, uh, you know, Brett and, and, you know, able to, you know, get to the Frozen Four, uh, you know, a guy that you've worked with obviously, uh, you know, for several years. I mean, for, for you, I guess, what was it like to see him uh, move this team on? Well, it's awesome. Number one, he's, 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 he's a, he's a great friend. And number two, uh, they're a team in our league. And I thought, uh, they had a really obviously a tough, Regional, they're all tough, but you know, to have to beat BU and BC and, and do it the way they did, I thought, uh, you know, it shows what kind of team they are. So, uh, very happy for, for him, uh, to get to the Frozen Four. And, uh, you know, it's great for all three Minnesota schools to be quite frank. And, and certainly, uh, you know, they got a good chance. They, they've had a great year. Um, it was tough to, to see them lose, uh, Easton. Um, but I thought they rallied around that and, and played great, and uh, they'll continue to to do that uh, moving forward. So uh, very happy for him. Okay, next question, Kyle Grabowski. You mentioned some of the, the championship experience. Does that give you sort of one less thing to worry about, that you don't have to introduce yeah. some of those guys into a new environment, and that's just one less thing to be concerned about in the lead-up to the Frozen Four? A little bit, but um, this is certainly a different year, right? Um you know, even going through the regionals, uh, getting there earlier, it's, you know, and just kind of with all the protocols and just how things were, were done in the past versus this year, it's a little bit different, but similar. Um, so yeah, I, I do think that that, uh, is important. Um, guys have gone through this before, so they kind of know what to expect. Um, you know, once you get there and, and again, more importantly, how hard it is to, to win two games there. So, uh, but I do think it helps. Uh, I thought it helped uh, in the regional too. Um, but again, I, I keep saying it, it doesn't guarantee, guarantee anything, but it, it certainly does help knowing, you know, kind of what to expect when you get there and, and, you know, how to, how to navigate that. Last but not least, Matt Wellens. Scott, um, I, I believe it was after the 2019 championship you had mentioned to, to Bruce and I that, that you don't go back and watch the, these previous national championships. <laughs> you hadn't yet because you like to remember them as, as they were when you were there. Um, does that still hold? Have you gone back to watch that, that 2019 championship? And, and do you have to go back and watch that now or no? Uh, you know what? I haven't watched it in entirety. I've, I've actually gone back and watched some things that I pulled for 
you know, uh, some clips, uh, just for actually a presentation I did, but, uh, um, I'll probably watch a little bit more of this. So there's a good chance, uh, again, this is a unique situation, um, playing a team a couple years later, uh, again, like I said earlier to, to see what similarities, maybe what we did well against them then does that, you know, apply to this current team that we're going to play on Thursday. So, um, this is probably the first time I'll probably go back and watch it uh, a little bit earlier than I normally would. Thanks, Coach. Thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate your time. We'll look yep. forward to Pittsburgh. Thanks, Mark. 2000-2001 season was his debut behind the bench of the Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs. And since then, Scott Sandlin has, well, he's been fantastically successful. He's been to one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, including this year, Seven straight national tournaments. I guess that includes what would have been last year. But still, don't take anything away from them. They uh, won it back in 2011. They finished second in 2017. The runners-up in the uh, final that year. And they won it in 2018, 2019. It was a no contest last year. To me, if they win it this year, it's a three-peat. And in fact, it makes it even more impressive to be able to do it. To win three years out of four when... You've had that gap, and you've lost some players in between. I'm curious right now who the starting goaltender is. It wasn't asked about it at all uh, during the conference call, but uh, Ryan Fanti's been their guy for the, most of the seasons, played 20 games. Zach Stasekold has played eight games, but it was Stasekold who played against uh, North Dakota in, well into that overtime period or into the, that uh, fifth overtime and uh, then had to pull out because he was having cramps, and uh, Fanti goes in and gets the victory. Uh, just a remarkable game, and I was glad to hear uh, Coach's uh, thoughts on that game. But I don't know who their starting goaltender is. Uh, I'm sure my next guest will be able to tell us, but I don't know who it is. Who are the go-to guys for me? Who are the guys who are going to have to have big games in order for Duluth to prevail and, and win that third one? Every time I watch them play, Wyatt Kaiser is a standout for me. Freshman this year, so maybe I'm expecting too much from him, uh, but 10 points, he is their highest-scoring defenseman. No goals this year, but plays a ton. Uh, and I think Wyatt Kaiser is really making a name for himself this season. So I expect he is going to have a big game. Noah Cates has to, I think he has to uh, come through. And he's been quiet down the stretch here. Only one point in March. No goals at all since January 24th. It's been a long time since he's scored. In fact, he's only got two goals in 2021. So Noah Cates, uh, Philadelphia Flyers prospect. I'm expecting him to have a big performance as a junior. You don't know if he's going to be back as a senior. The Flyers might sign him after this year. So uh, I think uh, he's going to want to go out with a bang. And how about Quinn Olson, sophomore? Another Canadian, another Calgarian, played in the AJHL. I don't think he's had the season that he expected to have this year, but 15 points in 31 games as a freshman. This year he follows it up four fewer games, but five fewer points after having a year under his belt. I'm sure he would have liked to have pushed that up to like 20 points this year. So I'm going with Quinn Olson, a guy who's going to have a big performance and help push the Bulldogs through. Also, shout out to Edmontonio and Tanner Latterout, both of those guys, former Okotoks Oilers in the AJHL. Uh, overall, the Bulldogs do have the uh, most Canadian content, and I called it 6.5 because they do have a dual citizen. That would be Luke Millimock, who scored the eventual winner against uh, North Dakota. 
from Wilcox, Saskatchewan, but I know he's listed as an American in the other places, but we'll give the Bulldogs the benefit of the doubt. So 6.5 Canadians for UMD. There are lots of potential picks as uh, the uh, as the standout players here for Duluth and, and guys that they're going to need to lean on to have big performances. I think Jackson Cates has been terrific this year, and Nick Sweeney obviously has been a go-to guy for them for a few years now. Kobe Roth has come out of nowhere on that team. I guess I shouldn't say out of nowhere, but wasn't expecting to see this sort of season from Kobe Roth. But Cole Kepke's one to watch, and Kobe Bender as well. Uh, Bender is actually the guy I was thinking of when I the other Kobe. Not Kobe Roth, but Bender, who had eight points last year, but now is a senior, up to 20 in obviously fewer games, uh, really coming out of nowhere. So lots of, lots of potential stars for Duluth on paper. I, I have to pick them, and I think they are the the favorite to be uh, national champions once again, to complete the three-peat. Uh, big question, I, I, only because I don't know the answer is uh, who their starting netminder is on Thursday. But my next guest might know. So let's ask him. Dave Starman, college hockey analyst. They don't get any better than that. Dave Starman will tell us everything that we want to know about the Frozen Four this year next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Turkey. Hi, it's Colton Point of the Carlton Place Canadians. Hey, it's Matthew Barnaby of the Pembroke Lumber Kings. Hello, it's Matthew Seaton here from the Sandback Pistons. Hey, it's Nick Campoli from the North York Rangers. Giant Iconic here. I'm Dante Fabro of the Penticton Bees. Hi, this is Dennis Chilofsky, playing for the Chilliwack Chiefs. Hey, it's Kale McCarr of the Brooks Bandits. I'm Jacob Bernard Docker of the Oak Oaks Oilers. Nicholas Jones of the Sherwood Park Crusaders. This is Cody Kunick, formerly played for the Sherwood Park Crusaders. Kevin Kahn, former Spruce Grove Saints. I'm Brandon Hickey, former member of the Spruce Grove Saints. This is David Glenn of the Spruce Grove Saints. Hi, this is Ian Mitchell of the Spruce Grove Saints, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Troubled Monk Brew of the Week. Hey, this one's great on ice. Why is that, bud? Troubled Monk Troubled Tea. This surprising beverage is low in sugar, zero carbonation, and has an unmistakable real tea taste. Alberta's first and only hard iced tea. Player comparable, Jack Eichel. Silky smooth and super skilled, but a little softer and enjoyed by all. Troubled Monk, visit the tap room in Red Deer or get free same-day home delivery in Alberta by placing an order at troubledmonk.com. Troubled Monk craft beverages worth sharing you're listening to the pipeline show with gee flaming i know that dude all right it is the final segment for this week's uh, frozen four a preview show and uh, we heard we just heard from all four coaches from the uh, ncaa's conference call which happened uh, at the end of last week well uh, now we get the up-to-date information uh, from one of the best in the business. Dave Starman, welcome back to the program. Dave, how are you? I am doing great. Best time of year. Actually, it's the best time of year and worst time of year rolled into one because we get a championship tournament, but then the season ends. So but it's, looking forward to it as always. Yeah, and I wanted to say thanks uh, or congratulations on uh, the, the calls last week in the regional. I got a chance to uh, to uh, listen in on some of those games and uh, yourself with uh, – uh, Leah Hextall, I thought that was very entertaining. And of course, you always do such a great job. Whether you're in the studio or, or calling, uh, doing the color uh, in the stands, I always appreciate what you do. You know, well, I, it's you know these kids every year they write us a great script, right? We just our job is just to kind of stay out of the way. 
Well, and you had the big North Dakota Duluth game, so maybe before we get into the meat uh, of the conversation here, when's the last time you called a, a five-overtime game? Oh, never. I mean, I coached <laughs> in a four-overtime game once, but I, I never called a game that long. I think my longest was, I think we did a three-overtime game once at CBS Sports Network on a Division Three national title game. I'm somehow remembering that. And if I'm not mistaken, Gustavus Adolphus was in that game. Mm. And, but other than that, you know, this was the longest. I, I'll tell you what, like this is going to sound cocky. It's not meant to be. Like I felt I could have gone all night. I, yeah. I knew both teams really well. I'd seen both of them a million times all year. I, you know, between every player, coach, trainer, medical person, equipment person, like, I could have taken that anywhere just because of my experience with those two teams. And I, and they're fascinating teams. So it's as much as there was a part of me saying, okay, I'm ready for this game to end. Like I said to Lee at one point, if this thing goes eight overtimes. Like I'm good. <laughs> so. I'm, I'm glad it did. It was a hell of a game. Yeah, he- heck of a game, and uh, you guys did a great job together. Uh, and uh, and it was an entertaining game, right, all the way through to the end. So uh, terrific. Uh, all right, let's start with uh, St. Cloud State. And we we heard from Brett Larson earlier in the program here tonight. And you know, obviously tough. They're going to be without their leading scorer, uh, and that means a lot of guys are going to have to step up. But uh, you've been uh, around the NCHC all season. You started in the pod. Uh, in Omaha this year, so you've got a good read on on St. Cloud uh, as well as everybody, uh, all the other teams. But give us your uh, your opinion of what this team is all about. Right, let's start with the they're they're not old, they're not young, they're right in the middle, which is a good thing for them. They've got a nice mix of of veterans. They've got a good mix of kids. They've they've got speed. They've got a they got a little sandpaper in their game. I mean, they're not going to run you over, but they're they're going to be pesky and gritty and. But it's a team of players that, if you're outside of their world, none of those names are are going to stop you in your tracks and say, "Oh, wow, it's a good thing they have those guys." And right. it's it's kind of bizarre. I mean, losing Easton Brodzinski is a bit of a blow, so they'll move Kyler Kupka up to that top line with Nolan Walker and Micah Miller, and that's I mean, that's just been a really good line for him. And you know, I think Kupka's going to come in there and do a good, a good job for him as he moves up. And then when you look down the middle, Kevin Fitzgerald's a veteran guy who knows how to win faceoffs. He's great on the dot, and and he plays with Chase Brand and Sam Hanches. That's a good line that can really buzz. But the the line that has drawn a lot of attention this year for St. Cloud has been Vietni Mittenen, Yami Kronola, and Zach Okabe. And mm-hmm. Brzezinski was on that line for a little while with the two fins. Then they moved Okabe in there. And to me, that line's been as good a line in the NCHC as as the conference has seen all year. So you. You, know, you got some offense that can match it and put some pucks in and bang around. Jared Cockrell has kind of replaced the Paling brothers in terms of what they brought in. You know, then you get to their defense core. Seamus Donahue, Nick Perbix, that's their top core. Donahue is a transfer from Michigan Tech who came in to replace Jack Ashan, who, as we all know, has signed a contract and has played some games with the Boston Bruins. And you know, It's a defense core that's, that's a bit unheralded. It's a bit underrated, but it's been one of the strengths of their team and David Renak has been solid for him. You know, he's had some shaky opening games of weekends, so that's something to keep an eye on in the Frozen Four. But I mean, this is a good team, I think, that can pound pucks, can move pucks, and will not be affected by moving from the big rink to the small. When we, we look at special teams and things like that, how big of a difference does not having uh, Brodzinski in uh, for uh, the special teams affect what St. Cloud does? You basically are losing his shot. He, he can be a flanker, bumper-type guy. And you, you lose his ability on a one-timer, but everybody has built a picture of Easton Brodzinski as a one-dimensional shooter-only type player, but he is, he's become much more faceted than that, which to me is actually why I think it affects him a little bit more. But 
the ability to put in a one-time bomber on the flank to replace Brodzinski, to me, is going to be the challenge for St. Cloud. And where they go with it, I, I have yet to, to see. But I, again, this, I, I just think that the, the loss of Brodzinski and what he brings is tough. But I do think it's a replaceable dynamic on the power play, a little harder to replace five on five. All right, fair enough. And and you look at the team scoring, he's sixth in team scoring. Yes, he scored the most goals this year, but he's not, you know, he, there's five guys who had more points than him, and three of them are the uh, the little guys that you mentioned, the two Finns and, and Zach Okabe, who's uh, Canadian, so we've got to throw special interest uh, his way. Uh, it, it could be an offense by committee type of thing. Is this really, a, when a guy goes down to injury like that, especially a senior, it's something to rally behind, isn't it? And kind of brings the team together even. There's no question. Like, when he got hurt, they went to the dressing room after the period, and Luke Jaycox, who has just been an absolute, absolute warrior for this team over the time that he has been there and has done everything asked of him. Jaycox, who doesn't say much, basically said, hey, you know, we should really go win this one for Easton. Hmm. And the team rallied around it. And I, I'm, excuse me, I am very nervous when it comes to teams that are good with a cause. And right now, there's a couple of teams in this Rosen four. They're in that category of really good teams for the cause. The loss of Brodzinski gives them one. They've had a week to handle it, which is good for them. But they do have scoring by committee. I mean, they only have three guys, I think, that were double digits with goals. But you've got about nine or ten that were double digits in points. So it does get spread around. The majority of their scoring, for sure, comes up front. St. Cloud will be going up against Minnesota State. And a great story for them this year is uh, Mike Hastings has had such a terrific record in his near decade behind the bench there but they never had success at the national tournament and suddenly they're in the frozen four uh tell me about minnesota state and what makes them special uh, you know i've watched minnesota state for a long time with mike hastings there because as a free agent scout both in the nca both with toronto and montreal i've been chasing one of their free agent defensemen around the country for <laughs> at least a decade whether it was nelson or brickley or mackie so i've <laughs> I, i've really got a chance to watch this team grow as a program like I said, over the course of a decade, it's, it's, I'm very lucky to have had that opportunity because I've, I've seen them transform themselves into a team that knew they could play, but might not have had the confidence to lean, and the, and the experience to lean on to a team that's much more battle tested right now. And they can win games in a lot of ways. They're really good defensively. They block shots. They defend hard. They can play that heavy, strong offensive zone game. And, and they're a team that, that doesn't really beat themselves. And, you, when you look at them, they, they now have some battle-tested mentality to them. They, they've got a good mix of older vets and some younger kids. Ryan Sandlin's committed, done a really good job for them as one of their younger guys. And they have secondary scoring. And like I said, they, they've got that heavy game. They, they remind me a little bit of North Dakota or Minnesota Duluth and the fact that they're great in the quiet zones. They can manufacture a goal when they really need one. And to me, the defining thing for them right now, they're built like a playoff team. And it's funny, Tom Saratori of Bemidji State said to me, he goes, that is one team in a four out of seven I wouldn't want any part of because I think they'd beat the best teams in the country at the way that they're built. The one-off, we'll see how that translates when they take on St. Cloud State. But I, I, I think they're built to win. I think they're built to play. And I also think that getting past Quinnipiac in the way they did really took the monkey off their back and they can just kind of go play like they are. Uh, Akito Hirose and, and Jake Livingstone, uh, both uh, Canadians, both uh, from Western Canada, Freshman this year, but seem to be playing a really big role for that club. You, you always like older freshmen, and, and, and those guys came in, and early on in the season, I, I remember Hasty saying to me that, you know, we were worried about 
what our defense core is going to look like because they lost a lot of really good defensemen off of last year's team, including Mackey, who, who everybody was excited to, to try to get signed. And if I'm not mistaken, he signed with Calgary. And But Hirose came in really early, played good minutes, played on the power play, was good. Livingstone came in early, played good minutes, penalty killing, and he was good. And I remember Hasty saying to me, hey, we, we really think that we can play six deep now as opposed to having to shorten the bench on the back end. So they, they were good quickly, and that has been a big reason why this team has had success. Rosie and Livingston have come in, and the bright lights really haven't scared them. I have to touch on Dryden McKay. Uh, obviously, he's in the Hobie hat trick. I would have to argue he's Minnesota State's MVP this year. Not the biggest guy in the world. I don't know what his, you know, uh, the outlook is for him as a, an NHLer. I know there are teams who won't even look at him because he's not six feet tall, uh, but he can definitely stop the puck. Uh, Dave, you're a, a goalie guy. Tell me why Dryden McKay is as good as he is this year. I'll give you a couple things. Number one is his dad was Ross McKay, who played a little bit in the NHL. I remember Ross because I could swear I went to goalie school with him at some point. <laughs> I think our paths crossed that way. But I remember skating with him in Hartford during the during August when the Whalers would come in and start to get in shape because I was at the University of Hartford at the time. And I, I mean, he never remembered me, but I, I mean, I just remember him being out there. And I think when when you've got that lineage, it, it helps the younger kid because there's a mentor and a role model to to go after. But the one thing that Dryden said to me was he played a lot of baseball as a kid, and his dad and him used to have a lot of catches, and it really worked on his glove hand and helped him catch the puck. And I think it's a lost start among goalies right now. You know, it's funny. Dryden said to me yesterday, too many goalies are using their glove hand as a second blocker. And I said to him, I've been saying that for a decade. Hmm. And he is really good catching the puck. He's really good keeping rebounds in front of him. He's extremely athletic. He, much like when Byron Defoe, I was with Byron Defoe in Baltimore, and Byron was only like 5'8", but Byron is a 5'8", big goalie. And Dryden McKay to me has got a lot of the same qualities that Defoe had in terms of even though he's a smaller guy. Van Beesbrook was the same way. He's a smaller guy with great athleticism that makes himself look bigger in the net because of the depth that he plays at and the stance that he presents. I love that uh, the the comment about uh, using the glove like a blocker. I, when I'm doing color and I see a goalie doing that, I, I say it's like he's playing with a frying pan. It's just a big iron circle that he's holding up. He's not catching anything. He's just batting them out of the air. I love that analogy. That's great. I said on the air once, I said, yeah, I said it reminds me a lot of, I should say reminds me a lot of, because I didn't see him play, but like Billy Durham, when, when he was a goaltender in the 40s, 50s, for, uh, I know he played a long time for Montreal, like he used to wear two, he was ambidextrous, so mm-hmm. both of his gloves were like blockers. So he was able to switch hands and use either hand as a blocker, either hand to catch with. And I, I joke with some goalies, I said, it's, it's like the Bill Durham thing all over again. I said, two blockers, no gloves. Who is going to be the standout guys for? Minnesota State, if they're going to have success? I think that this this line that they have put together with Ryan Sandel on the right, Brendan Furry on the, in the middle, and Sam Morton on the left, that's been a really good line for him. And through the, that Quinnipiac game, the kids really did a good job carrying that team. And then the, the veterans were better against Minnesota because the familiarity of the two teams and a lot of those kids knowing each other. So I, I, I think if you keep an eye on the Morton, Furry, Sandel in line, that's a, that's a line that, that really can make some hay and you know, then you take a look at their veterans. You know, Reggie Lutz plays on the left with Jake Jeremko and Todd Burgess. They've been around for a lot of the wins and losses in this program. I, to me, down the middle is where Minnesota State is good. Jeremko, Fury, Smith, they went a ton of face-offs. They're highly organized. I think those three guys on the dot make a big difference. All right. Dave Starman is my guest uh, setting up the Frozen Four for us. It goes uh, tomorrow on uh, Thursday. Uh, you get it wherever you uh, can. Both sides of the border will be able to watch those games. Let's go to UMass and a massive blow they were dealt earlier this week as uh, four players and a couple of uh, pretty big ones uh, to their team not eligible to play uh, because of uh, COVID protocols. 
well, walk us through uh, UMass and, and what those losses mean to this team. Well, on their big line with Oliver Chow and Jake Godet, Carson Gusevich will not be playing because he's one of those guys that is in that protocol. Remember, he had the big hat trick in, in their last game to, to power them through and into the frozen face-off. So uh, they have to replace him. They've got to replace Jerry Harding, who's a right winger on their fourth line with Anthony Delgaizo and George Mika. So those are two big, heavy bodies that really log some good minutes and, and make an impact on their line in terms of getting pucks for everybody else. And Gusevich, obviously, being their leading scorer, is a guy that finds in that with some good regularity. So that will have to change. Uh, but the one thing that, that they're happy about is, even though they're short a couple of guys, they can still play with a full lineup. Like, I, I've watched a couple of games recently in the Frozen Faceoff with, in, in the NCHC, where you had Denver and CC both come in with lineups that were short because of this. I mean, they couldn't even dress the full complement of 19 skaters and two goalies. Massachusetts will be able to do that. And, and I think that's a big deal for them. The one line that's not affected is Trevigno, Lapina, and Garrett Waite. Waite's a transfer from Minnesota. And that is, I mean, that line is really dynamic. And Trevigno and Waite played together in junior. So, I mean, there's some familiarity there. And Josh Lapina, I mean, this is a pro in the making in terms of what he can do. A really good face-off guy. Really, really good in his own end. 200-footer. Great through the neutral zone in terms of his reads. Plays off the puck well, and he can do a lot in the hard areas. So, I, I keep an eye on those two lines, because those two lines really power uh, UMass up front. But to me, UMass is is a really good team on their back end. Again, another group that doesn't have a whole lot of heralded names, but between Mark Delgaizo and Colin Felix and then Zach Jones and Matt Kessel, I mean, they got some guys that are going to really bring it. Well, and the guy we uh, didn't mention who is also not eligible to play now is uh, their netminder in Philly Lindbergh. And, you know, you, I've talked to a lot of people here in the last few weeks, and, you know, Dryden McKay's in the Hobie Hattrick, and Jack LaFontaine has had a pretty strong year, but there are people who say Philly Lindbergh was the goaltender of the year in the NCAA. That's a big loss for them, although they have a nice safety net in Matt Murray, who's a pretty darn good goaltender all on his own. I, I will tell you what, they they lost Lindbergh, but with Matt Murray, they might have the best backup goalie in the NCAA. And there's, there's a few guys that have come in a little under the radar and done well, but Matt Murray understands what it's like to be a number one goalie because he was one for a good chunk of the run that they made in 2019. Mm-hmm. So he understands the dynamic of, of having to play in the big spots. You know, he lost the net that year, and, and there are times this year where he had it and he lost the net again. So the streakiness of Murray might have hurt him at times. The one thing that UMass wanted was to establish one goalie. That was really the key throughout the course of the entire year. Jared DeMichael, a lot of people remember with his heroics with RIT in 2010 as a goalie. Uh, DeMichael and Greg Carvel really decided on a plan. They were going to let the two guys battle until one grabbed the net. At one point, Murray grabbed the net. Then he faltered a little bit. Lindbergh's grabbed the net. It's been his net since. But to me, like I'm not overly worried about Matt Murray being able to give you a big game because he has in the past. Well, and Greg Carvel told a, a great story about how he talked to both of them in the offseason. Neither guy were happy. They want to play more. And he said, you guys settle it and make my decision easy for me. Be outstanding. And both of them had that time this year where they were the number one guy. But Matt Murray as a senior, getting an opportunity like this, and I said it in, in the segment when I was talking about uh, UMass, you never wish injury on anybody, but injuries provides opportunity for somebody else. And what better way to end your uh, NCAA career for a guy like Matt Murray than getting in when you're probably not expecting to and uh, you know helping your team potentially win a national title. It would be a great finish for him. And the funniest thing is, is, is that they had to get an NCAA waiver 
to get a second goalie in there because one of the other kids in the protocol is also a goalie. He's their number three. Mm. So one of their student managers, one of their student managers was the backup goalie for Keith Petrozelli in high school. And John Leonard was on that team too. It's one of the reasons that, he, you know, he kind of drifted towards UMass was he knew he was going to play, but John was there and they had had a friendship with a local area kid in the UMass area. So he'll dress as the, as the backup. But it's funny, I was talking to somebody and I said, I remember watching Petrozelli play a bit in high school, but I don't remember this kid. And I thought to myself, that's why I don't remember this kid because Petrozelli was playing all the time. But it's kind of a neat story. So I said to the equipment guy, I said, I'm telling you, if I'm Matt Murray, I'm checking my skate blades for Scotch tape because I guarantee the student manager is jonesing to get in. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, all right. Well, they've got it, uh, a, a stiff uh, competition on Thursday as they go against the two-time defending uh, Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs. And uh, Scott Sandlin, I mean, he's got so much experience now uh, getting to this tournament and there are still players I mean the seniors and juniors on this team know nothing except winning national championships that experience has got to be invaluable at this time of year it, it actually is this is one of the most humble successful groups that you will ever run into and, and Sandy's one of the first guys that will say to you hey listen we, we always talk to our team about let's let's keep this doing let's keep this rolling and let's keep doing what we're doing because at some point it's going to end and let's, if it's going to end, let's make it end on our terms, but let's go out and play the game we want to play. It is a really humble group who just understands what success is and why. And you talk about that senior group and that junior class too. I mean, all I've known is winning national titles. This team is built really well. It starts down the middle between the Cates brothers, Jesse Jocks is their third center, and Luke Lohide, who has really developed into a nice fourth center. And that's one thing that UMD wanted to establish this year where they were, thought they were up and down last year was establishing a fourth line. Their fourth line won them that five-overtime game. Luke Milmock had the game winner. Uh, Luke Lohite was great playing sporadically through the overtime. Blake Biondi's on the right side. who's just a big rig drafted by Montreal. He's uh, just a real nice player. And and the other thing that I think really gets underrated, it's amazing to me that still gets underrated three years later by, by most of the national media corps, which just does not get Duluth at all. And that is how fast they are. Like, this team can play with pace with the fastest teams in the country. And when you think of speed, the NCAA – you think of Minnesota, you think of Michigan, you think of Boston College. These guys are right there with them, if not faster. A lot of it's on the wings. Between Kobe Roth and Kobe Bender, who are electric, Carl Kepke can fly, Tanner Latterud can fly, Nick Sweeney's speed is a little underrated. He's got great hands and a great shot. And Quinn Olson, who's a Boston draft, and Quinn is just like the perfect Bruin. I mean, he is just sandpapered and snarly, and, but he can score and and so that, I mean, there's your forward group, and that's a really good group. And then on the back end, I mean, this is not Mike Yanderson and Sandberg and Perunovic and Nick Wolf anymore, but Louis Rail and Wyatt Kaiser have done a nice job as that top pairing, and Kaiser kind of gives you a little bit of the Perunovic role. And Connor Kelly, who's injured, we're not sure if he's playing, but Connor Kelly is a freshman, really had a, had a nice season. And their third pair of Matt Cairns and Hunter Lelig, I mean, that's been a good group. I, like, I'd go to war with that as a third pair. And Zach Stasco and Ryan Fanti have given them good goaltending. This is this is a really really good team. I I, I sounds obvious because they're back to back champs, but this team is really really good. Uh, every time I watch uh, Duluth play, I, I come away thinking why Kaiser uh, I, I, he just wows me every time. To me, he's a standout every time I watch UMD play. And to me, the the speed of this team, I, I you nailed it. They're so underrated, and that's that's really been a characteristic of. Scott Sandlin's teams. I go back to the 2011 Frozen Four, the one that I was actually at in person, and Mike Connolly, Jack Connolly, um, uh, Fontaine. Uh, those guys were all. That was a fast team too. It, it's amazing because everybody just thinks that 
that North Dakota, uh, that Minnesota Duluth is just a big, heavy team, and I mean they've got that element to them, but they're more skilled. And I'll tell you what, where Scott Sandel and his struck gold is in the fact that you know, a he has run this program correctly. He's developed some nice relationships. The beauty of why this program is so good, you're gonna love this. So Scott had a son, Ryan Sandel, who was playing at Minnesota State. Yeah. And they've always had good teams in that Hermantown, Cloquet area, right around Duluth, you know, right around that area. Well, through Ryan Sandlin's youth hockey career, Scott Sandlin has wound up developing relationships with about a million kids, most of whom will wind up playing at Minnesota Duluth. Mm-hmm. Like, Ryan's the only one who flew the troop, which probably was good for both of them. Yeah. But, like, the relationships that he developed through coaching a lot of Ryan's, either summer teams or whatever teams, tournament teams, that kind of thing, I mean, he wound up recruiting a lot of those kids, and those kids have been the backbone of his program for the last five years. I mean, he has struck absolute gold in his area and in his state and it's no longer a situation where kids, if they can't play at Minnesota, then they go to Duluth, which is what it used to be. Right. Now it's Minnesota Duluth is every bit the destination that any of the other five schools in the state of Minnesota are, and that's why they're winning because of the relationships that he has built through his recruiting. Uh, on the conference call last week, nobody asked the question, probably because they knew they wouldn't get an answer, but who's the starting goaltender for for Duluth right now? Ryan Fanti played 20 games this year. Zach Stasekel, eight but he was the guy who started the game against North Dakota. So who, who do they go to? I will tell you this. I think Zach Stasekel is the starter right now based on the performance that he put on against North Dakota in that five-overtime game. Now, granted, he only got through four and a half of them, but he was terrific before he cramped up. And He's a bigger guy, and I think that's a factor right now in, in a lot of their discussions. I talked to Brent Nicklin, their goalie coach, a lot, and I know they like his size. I know they like him because he's a freshman, and, and they got a chance to really develop him over the long haul. Fanti has been very good for him, but with the six-six frame on Stasekel and the way that he plays, he's a blocker with some athleticism who who they're trying to get to move out of the net just a little bit more and play a little bit more of a of an aggressive depth or more of a base depth than a deeper one. And and I think that with the fact that the way he moves and the way he plays and pucks finding him a little easier. Uh, I firmly believe that Stasekel is going to be the guy, and unless they change their mind in the next, you know, 24 hours. Why didn't he play more than just the the eight games uh, this season, and that's including the the one against North Dakota? That's a great question. I'll tell you this: Ryan Fanti came into the pod and won the job, so he right. played great in game one. Then he played great in game two, and the plan was to put Stasekel in for game three against CC. But with Fanti playing so well, how do you take him out? Mm-hmm. So, and to me, Fanti was the story of the pod. Like, I mean, he was terrific. And as, but as, as the season wore on, State School began to get his opportunities. And I think they wound up in a situation where they were really comfortable with both guys. And honestly, this may be a situation where just the fact that he's that big might be the difference between why he's starting and not Fanti, because Fanti has given him everything they've asked for and more. Uh, Dave, I saw this uh, Twitter poll. Uh, yesterday or a couple of days ago, the person who put it up is at D Starman Hockey. It was a great question. What determines who wins the 2021 Frozen Four? And you put special teams, goaltending, experience, or star power. Goaltending ended up winning your poll, or at least it's still winning right now. Pretty one-sided, actually. What would you have voted for? That's a good, <laughs> that's a good question. I. It is a good question, Dave. You wrote it. <laughs> well, yeah, but it was just a. It's a good way to ask back because it's funny when I threw it out there, I didn't really think about an answer. You know what I mean? But uh, I, to me, without the saves, it's really hard to play. Special teams plays a role, but short-term tournaments like this, it's it's like the World Junior Tournament. You need goaltending and a power play. And if your power play can find your goal when you really need it, and your goalie gives you a save when you really need it, it seems like everything else kind of washes out itself, and that determines a lot of these games. But 
when you look at the goaltenders in, of all four teams, you've got the Murray situation where he's coming back into the net, so you're confident with him, but it's a question mark. The Stasco Fanty thing, it's, you know, who is going to play for Minnesota Duluth, but neither one of them have been in this spot before, but they, at least Fanty has been there to live it. So you got that, and you got Stasco and Shepard, who, you know, are friends from the same hometown. So there's a little lineage there. And, you know, St. Cloud State, David Renak has been up and down, but when he's good, he's really good. And then you got Dryden McKay, who has probably had the best statistical season of the four of them. Like, I think going to a frozen four, this is one of the more unique, you know, quartets of goalies with their stories coming into it that we've seen in a long time. Uh, there, there could be a lot of really cool sidebar stories going into this. I mean, with uh, Coach Larson being formally, you know, on the bench with with uh, Scott Sandlin, that's a great tie-in. Obviously, Ryan Sandlin and, and Scott Sandlin, they could face off in a national title game. If UMass has success, what they've overcome here this week, there's so many great stories. That's why I love this tournament so much, and I'm really looking well, forward to uh, to the Frozen Four tomorrow. So, what were you going to say, Dave? I was going to say, you know, the, the coaching thing is so intertwined because Mike Hastings and Scott Sandlin worked the World Junior Team together for Team USA. Right. You know, Sandlin and Brett Larson did a World Juniors together the following year. You look at Ben Barr, like Ben Barr, was, who's the assistant coach at UMass, was a big reason why Providence won the national title because he helped recruit a lot of Providence's guys that for that team that won under Nate Lehman. But the, the whole Minnesota group between Hastings, Sandlin, Larson, and all of their staffs, I mean, those guys have been so intertwined for so long because of their Minnesota connections. It's, you, you know, it doesn't make a difference which way you look. You can find them. And then, you know, Nick Oliver, who's the assistant at St. Cloud, and Adam Krause is the assistant at Minnesota Duluth, both young and up-and-coming assistants. Both are captains of their respective teams. They're both alums, and they're like twin brothers. I mean, you can't tell them apart unless you really look. So, like, it's, it is really unique what you've got with all these staffs. And we didn't even mention the it's the rematch of the 2019 uh, final uh, to kick or to, I guess, close out Thursday night when uh, UMass and Duluth face off. So little extra juice into the storylines there as well. Dave, tell me you're part of the broadcast uh, happening tomorrow, are you? I am excited. I am back on radio for the first time since 96. Nice. And I am really excited about it. After a lot of long time doing ESPN studio between periods, uh, Westwood One Radio had, had offered me to be the radio analyst for a few years, and but I'd always been committed to ESPN. And uh, two, Last year, I was actually going to switch to the radio side, and you know, my wife, Shereen, was going to be our ringside reporter. She's on our crew at CBS Sports, so we were really looking forward to that. Then COVID wrecked that, and Westwood One reached out again this year and said, do you want the radio gig? And I said, absolutely. I, I want to call games. That's more exciting to me. So it'll be myself and Brian Tripp, who's the play-by-play guy at Penn State. We'll right. be on Westwood One Radio. You can get that on Sirius or XM Channel 84. And if you go to Westwood One Sports, I think, slash NCAA, you can find – you can get the game streamed on your laptop. Awesome. Perfect. I see in, on your Twitter feed you put Westwood uh, one sportscom as well. As, yeah, I'm guessing that's, that's their yep. website. So perfect. Awesome. Dave, I'm looking forward to the games tomorrow and, and uh, hearing you again uh, on the radio. Thanks for doing this, man. Always great. <laughs> you got it, Keith. Thanks, buddy. That was Dave Starman, who uh, one of my favorite guests to uh, have on the program when it comes time to talk, talking about uh, college hockey. Um, such a wealth of information. Does a great job in the booth or in the studio. And I'm happy for him that uh, he's getting to uh, be part of uh, the Frozen Four uh, radio broadcast uh, of the tournament. That'll be great. Now, I didn't uh, ask him for predictions because I know he hates doing that. So uh, I'll leave the predictions uh, just for myself. And maybe you guys and gals can uh, let me know on Twitter 
what your predictions are. I knew I threw up the the question of the day uh, on the weekend as I prepared for this show, and uh, Minnesota Duluth was the overwhelming favorite. And I I, I got to admit that's that's my pick as well. I'm going to take Minnesota State to beat St. Cloud, and I will take uh, the Duluth Bulldogs over UMass, and then I will take uh, UMD to win their third title in four years, although it is a three-peat, as there was no tournament last year. So uh, that would be a remarkable story. But as we talked about with Dave there at the end, there would be so many different remarkable stories uh, going into this, no matter which team ends up uh, being crowned national champions. That does it for this week's Frozen Four Coaches show, which means it's a cleanup time and a quick reminder to go out and get your bidet. It is the evolution of uh, toiletry. Stop wiping, start washing. The website to go to is hellotushy.com slash pipeline automatic. 10% off just for using the reference code. And if you hadn't tried a bidet yet, uh, I, I highly recommend it. Anytime I use a toilet now that doesn't have a bidet, it's weird. Spoil yourself, uh, spoil everyone else in your household as well, and uh, get yourself a bidet. HelloTushy.com slash pipeline. Next week on the program, we'll probably uh, dive into the uh, upcoming World U18s. I saw the uh, Canadian roster for the World U18s is out. It's made up almost entirely of WHL and OHL players. A couple USHL guys sprinkled in there, Cole Sillinger being one of them, a dub guy. Uh, but that's because it uh, kind of butts up against the playoffs in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. So the league didn't want to uh, you know, interrupt that all that much, although it happens every year. So I'm not sure why this year is different. But I did actually wonder if we might see only OHL players and USHL players uh, going. I wasn't sure if the dub guys would go or not, but they are. Uh, so it'll be an interesting team. There'll be lots of players that I would like to track down whether they're Canadian or American, I've reached out to uh, Team USA and uh, asked for a few players as well over the next few weeks. So there'll be some, hopefully a couple next week and after the tournament as well. But obviously a, a major event for draft eligible players. So that, that'll be the focus with the Kelowna Rockets uh, sitting idle for the next, uh, well, I guess for about another 10 days or so. Uh, maybe we'll give a call to Regan Bartell or somebody around the Rockets to see how they're spending time in uh, quarantine. But lots of stories that we can touch on. Of course, we'll bring those to you. Quick shout out to all the patrons who have signed up at patreon.com slash the pipeline show. You get early access to all the interviews you hear on the show, although this week was a little different where that didn't happen. Uh, but in a normal week, it does. And uh, patrons also get a heads up on uh, who the upcoming guests are and they have the ability to submit questions. And uh, most people sign up for just a couple of bucks a month. So uh, it's even cheaper on an annual basis. So check that out at patreon.com slash the pipeline show. Uh, and lastly, a uh, shout out to the uh, folks at the NCAA, Mark Bedix, who uh, forwarded the conference call to me. I really appreciate uh, doing that. And I hope everything goes smoothly in Pittsburgh on Thursday. And of course, on Saturday for the national championship until next week, everybody. My name is Keith Flaming. See ya. <laughs>